Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the things it takes to truly deliver optimal customer perceived value. Today, I am thrilled. I'm uh, talking with somebody in uh, across the Atlantic, Jeroen Korthout. Uh, Jeroen is the CEO of a small business CRM company, a sales lawyer. Jeroen, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, really glad to have you. I, I, I didn't hear it from your lips, but I've heard it from other people saying if half of the CRM companies in the world disappeared from the face of the earth, there would still be enough capacity. So the, the world doesn't, doesn't need another CRM platform, which it's means true. if you're in that business, you have to develop your reason for existing. So tell us about how uh, you've built Salesflare and what Salesflare stands for in customers' minds. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's, there's so many CRM companies out there. If you go look on g2.com today, I think we're at 640 now. Obviously there is, there is like in all shapes, shapes and sizes and for different types of companies, and I don't know what, uh, but a lot of it's sort of uh, similar. Um, we didn't actually start Salesflare initially thinking we would build a CRM. We built it more on top of uh, a huge frustration with CRMs. Um, go going back, uh, I think now 10 years, I started in a marketing consultancy and uh, we used the biggest CRM out there uh, at that marketing consultancy called Salesforce. And um, we actually both used it internally and we also deployed it at customers. And for me, it was my very first CRM. So I took it extremely seriously. I really wanted to do well. Um, people told me it would help me organize my sales and that's what the website said as well. <laughs> so I really tried using it for sales follow-up, but I didn't manage. It seemed like compared to the solutions I already had, it wasn't really helpful. Like I had my outlook, uh, I had some tasks in there. I had some stuff in my wonder list tasks. I had my emails in outlook and Salesforce just seemed like another system that wasn't really in my flow that didn't help me. And that was also sort of cumbersome and, and, and back to the nineties, perhaps it, it just didn't feel like it, it did help me at all. And I actually noticed it was the same for most of my colleagues. Like nobody seemed to use it for sales follow-up. The person who really loved it was our CEO uh, because he had all the reporting in there. He could see what's, what sort of pipeline was coming, uh, like how much we were going to sell to who and this kind of stuff. So for him, it really worked well. And it also sort of ended up being more of a reporting tool than it was a sales tool. Yeah, you know, that's something I run into over and over that 
in any large organization, any organization, there are tools to help people do their job and tools to help managers track how people do their job so they can manage better. And I don't want to minimize the importance of getting managers and leaders and the CEO the information they need to make great decisions, but to have a tool that is all one and none of the other creates exactly. creates a conflict uh, where mm -hmm. now the challenge is getting compliance so that the data in the CRM is as valuable as the CEO needs it to be. Yeah, you, you, you nailed the issue. Uh, it's exactly that. Like, it really helps the CEO. This is nice. I mean, and, and there's value in that. But if it doesn't bring value for salespeople, then the data that the CEO is reporting on will never be as good as it could be um, because there's just this, this huge amount of friction and very little pull. Let's say it doesn't really help salespeople to do their sales follow-up and it's a lot of work. So do you think it's really going to happen? Not only the essential stuff is going to happen or the things that are explicitly expected. Like at some point they asked us to log at least 15 calls a month. Then I would go into CRM and check what everybody logged. Everybody logged 15, 15 things it was amazing. Uh, of course, not, not, not 16, uh, not 14. No, not a reflection of reality at all. It was just like at the end of the month, you had to make sure that there was stuff in there. Right? Yeah, I, I call that kind of data manager repellent. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm doing it simply to get the manager off of my back and out of my cubicle. The other error is when the CEO wants to track a dozen different things and each salesperson is compliant with the three that that salesperson thinks are important. And of course the salesperson wants to fill in the data that makes them look best. So they're going to choose the three compliance things that make them look best. And so now the CEO is getting the aggregated uh, partial data of a whole bunch of salespeople who are providing the data that make them look best. And it gets worse and worse the deeper you dive into that compliance issue. Yeah, it has all kinds of issues. In the beginning, I was even, I was inputting everything. And then at some point, one of my colleagues said, Jeroen, it was a bit of an older guy, I believe them. He said, Jeroen, if you're going to input everything, it's really dumb because management is going to expect stuff from you. They're going to expect that the things you put in, you're actually going to sell. So only put in opportunities that you think you can sell because otherwise, you know, everything's going to go wrong. So I started doing that as well. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, you start sandbagging and right, yeah. it, it, the uh, thing collapses under its own weight. And so we've explored the challenge um, mm -hmm. that kind of drove you to starting SalesFlare. So now to get us back on your journey that I interrupted. Yeah, actually, I, I, I didn't do anything with that insight for a few years. Like actually, when I had customer interviews, when we started SalesFlare and I had customer interviews with different companies, and I would say like, okay, how do you do sales? Which software do you use? Does your CRM actually get filled out and stuff? People all, all were like, no, I mean, no. Uh, but you know, salespeople are lazy and it's not really the software's uh, problem. It's, it's really the salespeople. And what you need to do is, is train them well, take away their bonuses if they don't fill it out, uh, stuff like that. You know, there are all, all kinds of solutions, but nobody thought like, Maybe the software could be better. Yeah, uh, let's change our processes <laughs> to fit the software, not the software to fit 
what we do. So I, I, I also didn't do anything with the, with the insight for, for, for a few years, like I said, until I was then working with my co-founder, another software company. And we were actually in, um, in business intelligence, so processing data and making uh, dashboards on top of that and stuff. And um, we went to a very big conference, an IBM conference, the yearly one in, um, in Vegas. And we had software that was compatible with IBM. And we were at that conference just uh, bringing in leads for our software. And at the end of the conference, we had about 130 leads or so. And um, we were very enthusiastic. And we were all like, okay, now we have these leads and they're, they're really good ones. We, we still need to close them. Uh, but to organize that, yeah, we needed something to be able to manage that. And we knew that, but that Salesforce wasn't going to help there. So we tried lots of different systems, really looking for one that would work for us. And we saw that there's, there's lots of better systems out there than Salesforce, which was good. Uh, better designs, more for sales follow-up. But still, all of these systems failed for us because not, not because there weren't nice pieces of software and all that, but because sort of we failed on them or, or rather actually because they created some wrong expectation. And that expectation was that we were going to be these extremely disciplined uh, people or you could even say robots uh, that were going to, every time we did something, we would put that perfectly in the CRM. Every time we met someone that we would put that person in the CRM with all the data we got, uh, you know, every single thing we would always think CRM and put everything in there. And then because of our huge discipline, we would have this beautiful system that would organize us. And then in the end, we would be super successful. That's never what happened. Uh, even if we started off with a whole lot of discipline, it would always slack. It would either, either slack because we, we were sort of in a dip or it would slack because we were, we were, we were doing really well. Um, and then our whole system would fall apart and, and yeah, we, 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 would, we would not know anymore that the other guy already called the, the prospect the day before or uh, we would forget to follow up someone. And you, you can imagine all the issues yeah. when you don't have an issue with a pipeline of 130 people. Yeah. And so I've looked at, at Salesflare on, on the website and you are uh, really maniacal as a company about taking sales activities and capturing those in real time with no intervention on the part of the salesperson. So everything the salesperson naturally does, your software captures and puts in an appropriate place. Correct. So data entry is doing your job, not a separate task. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 what we saw like when we were, we were looking at the issue is that we were, we were living in, in two separate worlds. Like we were doing something in our inbox and then we would put in the CRM. We would plan a meeting in our calendar and put it in the CRM. We were placing a call and then put it in the CRM. We would have some, some email tracking running and then, and then say, oh, the opened email, whatever. We, we would see a phone number in, a, in, a, in an email signature and then put in the CRM. And then we figured like we could solve all this by just creating a system that integrates with all these places because it's all digital information anyway. Um, and then 
somehow organize it all uh, for salespeople so that whatever they do, like they create a company, we tell them who they already know at the company, what their phone number is based on their email signature, what their LinkedIn profile is based on publicly available information, what that company is about based on company databases. And then as they say, yes, this person, I'm actually in contact with them at the company. We pull in all the emails we find in their mailbox, all the meetings we find in their calendar, all the calls we find in their phone. If they had email tracking running already, all of that is there. That integrates with website tracking. You know, everything just flows in. If they have exchanged files, we have mapped that, you know, all in one place without you having to do a lot of work. And that's, that's then the basis um, for helping people organize themselves into a system because uh, from there, you know what you last discussed, you know when we were last in touch, you know all the information about people. Uh, from there, it's creating overview, it's helping them segment two things, it's uh, creating automated reminders when they need to follow up, uh, it's giving them notifications when someone seems to be very interested in what you're offering at that very moment. No, it's when you have that data, you can actually start helping people to follow up their customers as well. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, um, I love the fact that you're automating that, but now that you're automating that, um, you know, we teach people, salespeople to listen very carefully and then look for the clues of things that we, that are going to um, impact a customer, look for impactful mm -hmm. contributions that we can make to the customer's decision. And the, the delta, the difference between the stuff that we actually get and the stuff that's in a usable form that a salesperson can see, observe, and analyze, and then feedback to a customer, that gap is a pretty critical gap. Um, you sure. track how a customer has, when they've opened an email, what email they opened, uh, if they clicked a link, how they've navigated a website, what pages they navigated on my website, mm -hmm. on my company's website, gives me as a sales professional insight into what's on their mind. And so with that information easily at hand, I can have a really great impactful conversation. Sales flair really concentrates on trying to close that gap. Is that right? Yeah, that's at least our, 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 our sort of basic focus. On top of that data, we're building all kinds of other stuff now. Um, we see a future in which uh, when all that data exists, you can assist salespeople in so many different ways. We already have, for instance, uh, automated email sequences that you can send uh, when certain things happen with a customer, like you build a certain segment that you want to get, have like an, an automated email sent to, and if they don't reply, you send another one and you personalize these emails perfectly based on all the data you also collected. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, this is just the beginning. I mean, yeah. things the, the the basic issue was, that's what, how we saw it at the start, like marketing people, they have all this amazing data because it's very easy to track. And then they can do all kinds of automation on that. And we, we know that as marketing automation, right? And that's just not available for salespeople for the simple reason that the data isn't there in the first place. So how are you going to automate stuff if there's no data? Yeah. But as soon as the data is there, everything is possible. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm 
a huge fan of your approach to CRM uh, as a sales performance consultant that's had sales training and then we put the sales training in the CRM. Uh, we actually got a lot of CRM compliance because we put a tool that helped salespeople win a deal in CRM so that as they were working on the tool, it would update the appropriate, you know, all, all the fields behind that in the CRM that so mm -hmm. uh, we put a really great sales methodology for here's the kinds of conversations you should have. Here's the people you should have them with. Um, into the CRM. I've lived this, but I think you're taking it much further into the automation of, of all of the interaction between a prospect and or a customer and a firm. So switching gears a little bit into, so that's your differentiation, the most highly automated and the most integrated. So simultaneously the most integrated with the C, you know, CRM integrating all that automation. Is that kind of- yeah. your, your differentiation, what you're the only in the world at. Uh, best, yeah, best that definitely the most integrated as well. You, you'll also see that the effect of that is also that our mobile app has 100% of the functionality, which I'm assuming you will not find in any other CRM application uh, because they always drop functionality for the mobile app. Yeah. Uh, as we started from more of a, a mobile type view, like in a plugin, which was then also immediately our mobile app, um, we, we have all of the functionality in there. Um, but what we focus most on in our messaging is one, the automation, uh, and secondly, the ease of use, uh, because that's what, what most people appreciate. If you, if you go look on g2.com, we're the, the fourth easiest to use CRM in the world and the, the number one most implementable also. Wow. So. I, you know, I love that very crisp idea of your differentiation. I want to shift gears to within your company as, as Salesflare employees, what all roles do you have that touch your customer? Certainly you have sales and you have some implementation, uh, some customer support. What all roles do you have that spend time, uh, any significant amount of time talking to your customers? Almost everyone talks to customers on an almost constant basis. Reason is we have um, support, support obviously talks to customers. Then we have uh, developers. They all go through a, a rotation where they help support in figuring out things that customers are dealing with at that moment. They're, they're support hero, as we call it. Um, I personally still do quite some sales, so I'm in touch with customers. Uh, my co-founder also, he's, he's leading development, but he also sometimes picks up the support hero role and, and stuff like that. And then we, we still have our partnerships, um, but the partnerships role also contains taking care of customers that come from, um, from partners. So it also touches customers and that's normal to us what, what, what we noticed in the past is when we didn't have the developers close to the support that was just really hard because the developers are supposed to create something uh, that customers want they need to feel the pains they need to feel that they're working on stuff that matters you know you create something yeah. you bring it to customers you see the feedback yourself you don't have to hear it from someone else that was a 
Yeah, it was a really big change as soon as we uh, we brought to life that support hero system. What an insightful uh, structure to get your developers. The closer your developers are to your customers, I I am firmly convinced. There's a couple ways to do it, but that's simple. It's elegant and. Um, calling them support heroes just um, elevates everybody. You know, the customer feels well supported, sales feels well supported, and your developers are secretly gathering a deep customer insights. And the developers that get at the advantage of those deep insights, you know, you you do it through direct conversation. So I love the fact that almost everybody talks to clients. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that, that alone wouldn't really help much. We we also have a a big system in which we organize information in such a way that everybody can add to a sort of uh, feedback database that very closely links to both the customer conversations. It it always maps back to that, but also towards the code, so <laughs> towards yeah. the actual core of the product and um, what we do in customer conversations is when somebody asks for something specific we'll usually go a bit beyond saying like oh okay you want this and we know that down uh, we'll ask why they want something they provide us uh, sometimes with very insightful stuff sometimes they don't really know why they want something but at least we try to yeah. get it out of them um, we all organize that in such a way around um, more uh, what is it they're trying to solve rather than what is it we're going to build. Yeah. Um, we have snippets from these conversations uh, with links back to the, the full conversations uh, organized. This uh, all gets in GitHub, which is where we have our code. And as soon as we um, develop something, and put it live, it also gives us the opportunity to go back and tell every single person that asked for something last week, last month, last year, maybe three years ago, it could be, um, that this thing went live. Um, we tell them all personally, and that's really a, a moment where a lot of customers uh, get really excited about the level of support we offer. Um, I love that. Now, is that system, uh, that you just described that gathers the feedback and tracks that is that uh, is that how does that connect with the, your CRM and, and the conversation captures is it a module within your CRM that only you have is that a separate standalone no. system no this is actually we, we don't use uh, Salesforce for our support okay. we have Salesforce integrated with intercom uh, and intercom is this uh, live chat system um, and in intercom so the intercom conversations, we link to GitHub issues. Uh, and this is a standard integration between uh, GitHub and intercom that not many companies really exploit. Uh, but it's, it's really amazing. Uh, and nowadays we're even uh, using a software, uh, trying it um, for, the, for the past month or so called Acute. That actually also does the mapping between uh, intercom and GitHub and puts another layer on top so we can see on every customer now also uh, based on the data we already collected like if you look at a specific customer like what did this person ask in the past uh, which also helps us then to understand the full picture 
uh, instead of having to, to, to dig real deep? I, um, you're automating gathering customer insights, turning them into product enhancements, and then closing the loop with customers. Uh, I love the fact that during in that input process, you really try to probe for what are you trying to accomplish? The customer outcome. What is the outcome you're trying to achieve? Uh, so that you have, you give your developers more latitude in how to implement that in, in the software, of course. Uh, yeah. It, it doesn't go straight to the developers, of course. Uh, yeah. There's a, still a whole process going on there. Oh, sure. So, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's first we do, we, we, we have this, yeah, first we have a prioritization process, uh, of course, like what is going to have the most impact on our customer base and all that. And, um, and aligns with our vision and this and that. But then as soon as we choose to develop something, there's further requirements gathering based on all of the feedback we got in the past, we can go in and see what is it that people really want because we've been tracking that for, for a while already in most cases. Um, we make a sort of uh, functional mapping of what it has to do. Then uh, we'll, based on what it has to do, we'll do a mapping of uh, what it should show in the interface. Uh, and then we'll start translating that into a real interface. Then that goes into technical specifications. And then these technical specifications go to the developers, but the developers always still have access also to the real base conversations that we had initially. Um, so that, you know, the, the, the full picture stays there. We try to map part of these conversations into um, common use cases so that they don't have to dig themselves also too much, yeah. but it's still there if they want it, you know? Now, Jeroen, I think you've, you've bubbled up a couple important issues is that there's a customer expectation, a customer outcome that gets integrated or, or gets converted through a couple intermediate documents into a, a specification or to a, uh, some code writing work specification. And it's important to understand that at each level you might have lost some precision or you might have lost some nuance and so you need to make sure that you never lose sight of those original expectations and uh, a lot of clients struggle with that and it, i'm really uh, i'm glad to talk with this uh, about you talk about this with you uh to kind of just show what a best practice of understanding customer value customer outcomes and how to operationalize that through an organization so um it was wonderful talking about your differentiated crm but i hope that uh listeners understand the what i was thrilled to talk with you about is designing a company that is a learning organization that is a learning organize, organism from every pore of your being everybody touches the customer everybody catches insight and there's an orderly way of turning that insight into marketing into product um really well done thanks thank you thanks but yeah it, it this is not complex at all it's not rocket science it's it's actually all very simple stuff we do. We just organize it in such a way that it works out. Like imagine it's just a bit of uh, stuff in GitHub, stuff in Intercom, linking it together, having a bit of discipline of always uh, doing it in the, the same way, uh, all of us. Uh, having some stuff in Google Docs, in meetings, documenting every single thing. Um, in the end, it all comes together, but it's it's really not... 
Like if you're if you if your organization is you're like oh but that all sounds so great and but we can never do that. I honestly doubt that it's it doesn't take that much to to get to this level. Yeah, I you know I thank you for that false modesty. It the idea is understanding what you want to accomplish and then figuring out the simple tools to get you there. And you've done that. That's true, right? Yeah. Uh, so you've achieved the simplicity on the far side of complexity. Um, so many CEOs want to create information silos and the information has highly structured, very non-friendly ways of, of going between the silos and it ends up being stuck. It ends up not happening. So you've, you, def, you define an organization that wants to be organic and integrated, an integrated organization rather than a siloed organization, integrated experts rather than silos. And uh, that's not a trivial thing. You, you trivialized it, but it is not a trivial thing. It, it, is, it is not too difficult to do either. I actually, if you, you can find some, some, some extra tips on how we run a remote team because that's very much about internal communication as well. If you type in Google, you type remote team Salesforce. I think you'll probably find the article. It has all kinds of stuff that even this year we've, we've, we've made an extra step at all this because all of a sudden we weren't all in the same office anymore. Like everybody's in their own home. And then you need to make it even more systematic. Uh, we've detailed some stuff in that article. Like for instance, uh, an easy thing we do is at the end of each meeting, uh, we take uh, 10 minutes or so to write down what the rest of the team should know about what we discussed in a meeting uh, in very summarized terms. And then there's always a link back to the document in which we have all the meeting notes. Like, like when we have a meeting, it's usually Zoom on the one side and a Google Doc on the left. Uh, and we just type conclusions as we're, as we're discussing what we decided to do, what we decided not to do, everything is in there. But it's not like everybody's gonna read that, right? <laughs> Yeah. So we have a, a very short summary and that goes in our internal communication system Slack. We post it there. People can just quickly read that. If they want to know more, they click through. Um, and then there we can continue the discussion and comments on the documents. Yeah. And, uh, it's easy. Very easy. Uh, Jeroen, thank you so much for investing so much time today. Um, I'm going to have a hard time shortening this down to our, our normal length. And I think I'm just going to offer this as an extra length episode because it was super high value. Thank you. How can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, discuss more or learn more about Salesflare and uh, real easy to use, highly automated, uh, the easiest to use, easiest to implement uh, system in the world? Uh, you, you can just head to salesflare.com uh, and that's uh, Flare with F-L-A-R-E. And if you want to try the software, just click on try it for free and you'll get a trial of anywhere between seven and 30 days because we give you extra days on the trial as you set it up. Because we've seen that people who set it up better during the trial are actually way more successful in the long term. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can do that through LinkedIn. Just include a personal message that says that you, you heard us talking on the Value Clarity podcast. Um, otherwise, if you don't include a personal message, uh, you will end up in the sea of spam and get every day. So please include a personal message and now we can chat. Okay.
Yaron, thank you so much. And thanks everybody for joining us on this really great episode of the Value Clarity Podcast. Remember that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means your success in sales, marketing, product, R&D, pricing, your success is all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blues.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.